0: previous episode, we met Erin, who shared the way she uses the app Procreate to add layers and texture to create really realistic digital paper creations, how her future will ideally include a blend of engineering and design, as well as learn the subject matter that fuels her. She also discussed the importance of getting into a flow state and carving out time to create when inspiration strikes. And today's guest agrees. I don't know. Some days I just like you feel it and you just like know what you're going to do, which is the best because you can just like you have it. It's like I had in my head and then it's just kind of getting it down on paper, so to speak.
1: And I usually end up having to put my phone aside, turn off notifications, like just ignore everybody, because when you're painting and you're in the groove like you, it, you
0: can't keep stopping. Like it just it doesn't work. Allow me to officially introduce you to today's guest, Catherine Clemitus. Catherine Clemitus is an artist, speaker, author, and graphic designer. She has osteogenesis imperfecta, better known as brittle bone disease. But growing up, there was no way that she and her parents were going to let this dictate her happiness. Her parents made her want to make something of herself, and she decided she was going to be happy doing it. End of story. During her senior year at Loyola University, she started KAK Art and Designs, and while her services have changed since 2011, she stayed focused on two key areas. One, expanding her reach and capabilities as a watercolor artist, and two, motivating others to contribute to their communities. After owning her business for nearly a decade, what keeps her striving for something more? Well, she just wants her work to bring people joy. In our conversation, Catherine and I discuss the unique process she uses to paint, the way she manages her time to pursue both artistic projects and graphic design work, and the great story of how she came to work for Rod Stewart on a project.
1: Uh, My name is Catherine Clematis. I live right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, and I am a watercolor artist and a graphic designer. So I... um, I grew up with two parents who were veterinarians, and so animals have always been in my life. I have four dogs right now, currently, but we've owned pretty much, pretty much everything under the sun and more um, at one time or another. And so, animals have always kind of been the focus of my work. Um, they're just—it's always been a constant in my life, and. And, you know, I love animals most of the time more than I love people. So, so, um, I have a genetic bone disease called osteogenesis imperfecta, which basically means that my bones break easily and they grow abnormally. So just to give you an idea, um, I, we stopped counting broken bones around 500 when I was 10 and I'm 32 now. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea. Um, And so I always went to a mainstream school when I was young and I, you know, obviously I couldn't do a lot of the things that my friends could do. I've always used a wheelchair. Um, I have always had an aide with me all the time, but I I didn't need special needs classes. I needed, you know, mentally to be stimulated, just like all of my able-bodied friends and so, you know, while they were out playing soccer and baseball and, you know, whatever it is they played, I was inside doing art. You know, my, my mom gave me my first watercolor set when I was five. And I just, I just got hooked. I mean, I, I, it turned out that I really liked it and I could do it. And I was actually pretty good at it. Um, so those, those three things were really good, a really good combination. And my parents, I mean, I had great parents and they got me into as many classes as I could get into. So not only was I in classes in school, but I was also in classes, you know, outside of school, summer camps. Um, I got to do some glass blowing one summer. That was really fun and printmaking. And um, I got to work privately with college professors when I was, you know, in high school. So I got a little ahead in college, which is really nice, Um, but yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I, I did it all through high school and college, and I actually ended up graduating Loyola University with a BA in graphic design instead of fine art, because as I'm sure many artists who are listening to this can relate to, there is a reason they call it Starving Artists, And, you know, the amount of work you have to put out to make a living as an artist is is a lot. And physically, that was probably not going to be an option for me. So I went ahead and changed my major kind of halfway through college into graphic design. And, you know, that that's an easier, you know, it's mostly on the computer. So it's it's physically an easier job. So I do both. That's, that's it in a nutshell. That's basically me.
0: That's a great <laughs> nutshell. Yeah. That's kind awesome. of a long <laughs> nutshell. But yeah. <laughs> So that is, yeah, there's a a few things there that you said that were super interesting. So the fact that you kind of found art because it was the sweet spot of something that you could do, that you like to do, that you were really good at. And it was this kind of perfect melding of the three. Mm -hmm. And you've continued to do it because you enjoy it, not necessarily because you can uh, make a living at it. But so you had to kind of supplement your fine arts with graphic design as well. Right. 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 And what's the strangest animal? I'm curious. You said you've had every Actually, animal under the sun. I've, I've been asked this question before. So I do a lot of pet portraits, which,
1: you know, is predominantly dogs and cats, right? I mean, that's normal, right? Occasional horse, you know, that's fine. Um, I had a woman ask me to do a painting of her pet snail named oh. Ripper oh. one time. And I did, and it turned out, I mean, apparently it turned out really good because she was like all excited, said I got the markings on his shell perfect. And I'm like, OK, I'm I'm glad you like it. I mean, it's <laughs> a snail, I, I mean, you know, but OK, no, it was just it was it was very weird. Um, I've got a pet raccoon also. That was a little off, but not as off as the snail. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, the snail is, like, I don't even, what's the lifespan of a snail? How long could she have this (laughs) snail I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. To each their own. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So how would you describe your artistic style and kind of, how did you find this artistic voice that you, that you now have?
1: I would describe my artistic style as not exactly photorealist, but close, I mean, you can tell my paintings are paintings, you know, you can see brushstrokes and you can, you know, which I think adds a uniqueness and personality to them, but I'm not, I'm certainly not an abstract artist. Um, I I mean, we had to do abstract art in school and I was terrible at it. I hated it. (laughs) Not enough structure there for me. Um, my dad was very left-brained and I think I got too much of that to be able to, loosen up enough to do um, something more abstract. But honestly, practice. I mean, I, you know, as you do something over and over your, your style develops, um, I when I look back at things, at pieces I've done or I did as a kid, I mean, they look completely different from what I do now. Um, they're good, but they're done by a kid. You know, I mean, you can tell they're done by a kid. They're much more loose and they're much more, um, I would say cartoony kind of, not abstract, just more along the lines of cartoony. And what I do now is very, I don't want this to sound, um, I don't want this to sound like I'm, you know, tooting my own horn, but it's very like upscale. You know, it's very uh, exact. You know, I do, I do, like I said, I do a lot of pet portraits. And part of doing a pet portrait is that it looks like the animal that you're painting because, you know, that's what they're paying you for. They're paying you to paint their animal. And as you know, and I'm sure you can relate to, people love their animals as much as they love their kids. You know, or more sometimes. Um, so you know, it it has to be exact, and it has to be close. And I think that's part of why my style is just developed the way it is. That's just that's just what I've been doing for the past I don't know twenty years. So yeah,
0: right. And that makes sense that that style, your style kind of evolves and and uh, changes and kind of, as you said, becomes more precise, so there's that level of precision that yeah. you now have as an adult versus when you when you uh, paint it as a as a child. Right. Now what does your creative process typically look like, perhaps for one of these pet portraits?
1: so for for most of my paintings, I look at photos. So, it, let's just say you commission a pet portrait. Normally, I have I, I offer three sizes at three different price points. Um, I have the owner or the client pick a pick a size, and then um, they send me photos of their pet. and And sometimes that sometimes that gets a little challenging, just because, especially if the pet has died. Um, and they're limited on photos that, you know, and they're not great photos that, you know, makes it a little more difficult for me to get, you know, accuracy. Um, but basically, they send me photos, I look at the photos, I decide which one is the best pose, as far as, you know, being a, a pet portrait. And then I, I use mostly that one, but I also use whatever else they've sent to get color and markings and that kind of thing right. Um, When I do wild animals, it's kind of the same thing. I just, I usually draw inspiration from photos. So I either go on like a stock photo site and buy rights to it, or there's a few photographers I work with, um, especially locally that uh, they do a lot of Louisiana birds and that kind of thing. Um, In fact, I I just finished a Louisiana bird series that's hanging in a museum outside of Baton Rouge right now. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's my first museum exhibit and I'm really excited about that. But um, that, you know, so I I obviously, whatever photo I use, again, my painting isn't a copy of the photo, but it's close. So obviously whatever I use, you know, I make sure I have the copyright and all that. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works now. The one thing that is different about me versus other artists is I actually paint laying down. Um, for me, it is really hard to sit up for a long period of time. It's hard on my back and my neck and it, I can't hold my arm up above my body to paint for that long. So if I lay on my side, my arm is resting on my body basically while I paid and, and I mean, that is hard too, but not as hard as sitting up. So um, what's interesting about that is if you look at the world laying down, it looks very different than when you look at it sitting up. I had to learn how to compensate for that because if you just draw, I had an art teacher when I was uh, in high school that said, Draw what you see, not what you think you see. And I mean, I repeat those words all the time because it you think you see it one way, but that's not really what you're seeing. Angles are different. It, it's and so, like, I'll draw something out laying down, and then I'll pick up the paper and be like, that is so crooked. How do I mean, how why does that look straight laying down, you know? So I had to learn how to compensate for that, but, um, yeah, that's basically my creative process.
0: Fantastic. And how long does it take to, to paint an average, um, an average painting that you would work on? How long would you be lying down and working kind of continuously for?
1: Yeah. So it depends on the size. Um, most, I, most people choose like an eight by 10 kind of size for a pet portrait, and those are usually like three to four days, you know, with anywhere from four to six hours in a day, you know, cause, cause at a certain point, I mean, I, I can only, again, I can only do this for so long. So, you know, four or six hours in a day is about what I can handle. Plus I do have design clients. So I have to kind of balance my days where I say, okay, from, you know, 12 to five, I'm painting. And I usually end up having to put my phone aside, turn off notifications, like just ignore everybody. Because when you're painting and you're in the groove, like you, it, you can't keep stopping. Like it just, it doesn't work. Um, like I just had somebody ask me the other day, well, why don't you just paint for an hour? Because it doesn't work like that. You, you have to, you, I, I personally have to have at least two hours to be able to dedicate to a painting to make it worth doing it all um some of the smaller ones probably take me a day or two but probably two two days um and then the bigger ones are like a week but um yeah I mean not super long that's the other thing is I it's great that I can do both because I get bored really quickly. <laughs> um, I, if I had to do the same thing over and over every day, that would not. I, I'm also one of those people who when I'm painting, I need something else going on. So I either need to be listening to music or I need to be watching TV or something else because I'll get really frustrated if I don't have like something else that my brain can concentrate on. So, yeah, I was one of those people that could study with the TV on. Uh, my mom never understood it, but.
0: Yeah, not me, not me. It's just like yeah. watching it, watching it. And then, oh, I realized that 10 minutes has passed. Or, ah! <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: she's like, I need a complete silence to study. I'm like, I can't study like that. I need something else. And she couldn't complain.
0: I was a straight A student. So, yeah. you know. However, you get there is, is <laughs> exactly. whatever works. Whatever works. Exactly. But it sounds like you've you've struck kind of a good balance in your day. Do yeah. most days look like that where you can kind of work on design work for half the day and paint for the other half?
1: A lot of them do. I mean, it does depend physically how I am that day. Um, I also do a little bit of jewelry design on the side, um, which is not something I push as hard as my painting and my design work, uh, mainly and honestly, this is gonna sound a little bit shallow but mainly because people don't buy jewelry except around the holidays so honestly like when I do jewelry and I push it it's usually just around the holidays but it's a third thing that I can do that use it's still creative but it uses my brain in a completely different way Mm -hmm. which is great um and and on and physically it is easier than painting Mm -hmm. so like if I'm having not a great day, you know, pain wise, I'll either stick to design or jewelry, you know, and not and skip a day or two of painting. Um, like today, I'm actually leaving town for a break, finally, uh, for a couple of days. And I have the option of bringing paints and working on it, but I'm like, no, I need a day. Like, I need one day where I don't touch a paintbrush. Just for a little while.
0: Yeah, we all Um, all need
1: that break. Yeah. So uh, and right now it's a little bit crazy because it's getting close to holidays. People want to get pet portraits for gifts and everybody's scrambling to get them in because I usually do an October 1st cutoff um, because I just I can only do so many, you know, before December 25th, you know. So, Yeah. It's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks, honestly.
0: Well, I'm glad you're getting a day. Without yeah, painting.
1: This is good. I know, I know. I'm excited about it. Like I'm leaving my house. I'm not
0: painting. I'm, it's very exciting. Amazing. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could say the same. <laughs> uh, so I have. I, I saw on I think it was on Instagram or somewhere that you worked with Rod Stewart a few years yeah. back. Can you tell us the story? Yeah yeah that was really fun um
1: so as I said I do graphic design and one of my so people ask me like is art your hobby is art your passion I would say it is still a passion but it's no longer a hobby it's a job I mean and that's just as sad as that makes me sometimes um that's just the trade-off. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. I still get to do it, but it's mostly work. Um, music. However, I love live music. That's my, in fact, that's where we're going tonight. We're going to a concert. That's um, one of my favorite things to do to go see, you know, music artists in their element, you know, and being in the crowd and singing the same songs. And it's just, it's a really great feeling. And, Uh, We have a festival here in New Orleans called Jazz Fest. And it's big, I'm sure most people have heard of it. And one year, Rod Stewart was there. And actually, he wasn't supposed to be, Aretha Franklin was supposed to be there, but she was sick. And at the last minute, he ended up filling in for her. And so my friend, who I travel with all the time to go to concerts, uh, go to concerts with, she was like, oh, Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart. You know, and I'm like, I don't know a lot of his music. I mean, I know the big ones. You know, I know, like, Maggie Mae and The First Cut is the Deepest, but mostly because of Cheryl Crow's version. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know him that. <laughs> but, like, okay, okay. So we go, we camp out all day to get our spot, you know, get there at 11. He doesn't start till 4. It ends at, like, 8. And he starts, he comes on, and we're in the front row, and he starts singing to me. Like, to me a lot. And I'm like, I don't know the words to these songs to sing them back to him. But I guess I did a really good job of faking it. I don't know. Because at the end of the show, he pointed to us and said, do you want to come backstage? And Amazing. I was like, okay. So, I mean, my dad had already passed away by that point, but he would have died. Like, he would have freaked out. But anyway, so we go backstage and... He's having one of his backup girls. It was her last show with them. So they were having a goodbye party and they had wine and tequila and cake and, you know, all the stuff. And his family was there. Um, his whole band was back there. And uh, he, I mean, offered us a glass of wine and, um, and we got some cake and we just started talking with him. And he's so down to earth. I mean, he's such a nice guy and um, my friend thank god she had a better head on her shoulders than i did at that point she goes hey you know catherine's a graphic designer here's her card she loves to design for the music industry cuz i do love to design for the music industry and she's like you know haha if you ever need something let her know and he turns to me and he goes well actually i have an album coming out in a few months and I need some cover art for it. Do you want to have a go at it? And I'm like, okay. You know, and and honestly, like thinking nothing's going to come of this. I mean, you know, and he brings his manager over and we talk to her. She says, yeah, I'll send you specs, you know, on Tuesday or whatever. And again, still thinking like nothing, nothing's going to come of this. Well, she did. I mean, Tuesday came, she sent me specs and I started working with him through her. Wow. Um, on cover art now it this was over like three months he ended up choosing something different than mine um but it came down to mine and somebody else's which was pretty cool um because i mean you know we're talking about rod stewart who could use any designer in the world
0: yeah. literally yeah
1: i mean you know it's rod stewart like he can do whatever he wants he's knighted i mean <laughs> like, you know and and he chose you know to let me try and I mean, I've never worked with somebody of that caliber, obviously, and it was an incredible experience. And at the end of it, he actually paid me like he wanted an invoice and he actually paid me, which was very cool to have a check signed by Rod Stewart. Yeah. And and then he uh, invited us to another show. Like we had comp tickets and passes and all that. And it was it was great. And he's, you know, he's a great guy. He's very cool.
0: That, I mean, if Rod Stewart hands you a glass of wine and cake and takes your business card, you do that.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then, (laughs) well, and I mean, obviously now I know all of his music (laughs) because, you know, that's basically all I listened to for three months, but it was, it was very nerve wracking because what would happen is I'd send something in, yeah, I'd get feedback from him through his manager and then. I send something back and not hear anything for two weeks mm. because he'd go on vacation or on holiday, as he says. Um, you know, or he, you know, he'd just not get back with his manager or whatever. And you know, of course, I'm sitting here going, he hates it. I it. I'm done. Like, I, I, you know, I've I've messed up the project. He hates it. He hates me. I've totally failed. And then I get a message. Oh, Rod's been on holiday. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to kill this man.
0: (laughs) It's it's so funny how the doubt can creep in like that. Oh yeah. With the passing of, with the passing of time, all of a sudden you're, this kind of work that you submit, it just kind of stays in limbo and your mind goes into a downward spiral, but it's, uh, I'm I'm glad that it, it's i I'm glad that he did like it.
1: Yeah, he did. He did. And, and it was so funny to work with him because he's such a typical artist. You know, he just you ask him what he wants and he doesn't really know, mm. you know, and it's that's just such a typical artist. And it's so funny that. I mean, you know, he's Rod Stewart, but he's still just an artist, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was really fun to work with him and get to know him a little bit and all that. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I would love to do something like that again.
0: All right, put it out into the universe, and it yeah. will come back. It will come back to you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, what does the future look like for your work and your art? And in an ideal world, what in like ten years, what does that look like? You know,
1: it has changed over the last the course of this last year because um, with the pandemic, and um, I, I was in an accident last year that caused me to not be able to work for like two or three months. Um, and, you know, it, it made me think like, okay, how am I gonna structure my business to where I still make money, um, but maybe don't have to physically work as hard. Um, because I, I do have aids that have to be paid and, you know, I pay them out of pocket and so I, you know, I have definite bills and I have to have them. Like I have to have them to like go to the bathroom, you mm-hmm. know, get food, you know, mm-hmm. like there's not, there's not an option. Um, so I, uh, I've, I've started kind of educating myself on art licensing, which is something I probably next year am going to really try to start pushing myself to contact some manufacturers and contact some bigger companies, uh, which it, for people who don't know, it basically means that I would present a company that makes pillows or mugs or blankets or whatever, one of my pieces or a series of pieces or whatever, and they would put it on that product mm. for however long. And um, I would get a royalty basically on every product they sell so you know in order to do that though you have to have a pretty extensive portfolio which i have been working on building up and you have to have a really decent social media presence which has been my focus this year as well how you found me so that's great and um obviously it's working somewhat and um you know i'm just i'm trying to get to a point where i where i can do that like i'm redone my website, made it more professional, a um, little cleaner, so that if a licensing company does look at it, you they actually think, oh, yeah, she's you know serious and professional and can actually do this. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting to that point. Uh, I started doing some public speaking last year because I feel like I have a very... Um, a unique perspective. You know, I, I my life, it's funny because it's very different than a lot of people's but it's also very the same. And and I think that a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so I've been working on trying to do some public speaking but of course, you know, if you can't go anywhere uh, because of mass mandates and vaccine stuff and you know, all that and getting sick and pandemic and you know, and all that entails that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a problem. So hopefully next year will be uh, better as far as all of that goes. But I mean, I, I, you know, I try to plan, but I also try to live like day to day too. You know, like I do try to make like very loose plans, but they also change all the time. And I know that, and you know, I also just try to live in the moment, which sounds very cliche now that I'm saying it out loud, but it's true. <laughs> I,
0: I get it. And I wish I could live in the moment more myself. Yeah. But, and I also, I have a, a love hate relationship with any sort of goal setting or long-term goal setting, uh, yeah. especially. So it's, I, I get it. I completely yeah. get it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I do set them um, and most of the time I can meet them, but sometimes I can't you know and and sometimes it turns out I don't want to mm. so you know they change
0: yeah more importantly things change yeah. exactly exactly well thank you so much for chatting today it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure and it's been lovely to meet you and and talk all about art with you and, and the work that you do so I wish you all the best of luck thank you Catherine. thank you so much for having me Among many insights gained, Catherine reminds us about how important determination is to be able to do the work that speaks to you. In the next and final episode, we meet Babette, a woodworker who shares Catherine's feelings about the role determination plays in pursuing creative work. What's interesting about that is if you look at the world laying down,
1: it looks very different than when you look at it sitting up. I had to learn how to compensate for that. We can just like donate it or do whatever.
0: Why would you want to build a couch? But I was very determined. So I, uh, I borrowed a jigsaw from my neighbor and then I built a couch. <laughs> Stay tuned.